Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Well, I don't know about all that, whatever that guy said. Might be true, might not be true. That's up to you. I might be an inspiration. I might be a nag. I might be a um, thorn in your side. I might be a guide to the blind, a light to those that are in darkness. I don't know. One day we will all be made manifest for who we really are. Jesse Giskand with you on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Hope you can hear me clearly. I want to be able to hear from you as well. The number to reach me is one 367 1-888-367-5329 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We are still free. We are still at liberty to talk. We are still at liberty to engage in free thought, free ideas, how be it. As has been the case with the fall of humanity, whenever you and I start investigating, pressing into and uh, wanting to discover the truth, the facts, the real data and information in just um, the prudence, the prudence of hearing everything uh, that we can possibly hear about any subject matter that uh, would uh, bode us well. Are, um, are harmful, we just need to know. And that's what the founding fathers meant. This is what we partially celebrated last Sunday. When I say partially, it's because our nation, as you already do know, is, is under such a transformation right now. We have been in a revolution for many decades. Uh, Albert Moeller has laid it out so very clearly in his book called The Coming Storm about the digression and departure from and dismantling of all of the essential uh, structures that basically frame our country and our nation. And right now we are in an all out blitz on a sociological level, on a uh, educational level on a level of policy from Washington and a, a level of uh, implementation in uh, education and the educational system, as well as in business around critical race theory and the deconstruction of history as we have known it and the reinsertion into that history of facts and information and data that do not correspond with history whatsoever but is fundamentally designed to actually destroy the old standard of a moderate interpretation of our world. We have talked about this many, many times on this program. You are living in a postmodern fabrication of a new world order that is specifically designed to deny a biblical worldview, a creator and humanity being created in the Imago Day with the distinct and exclusive binary distinction of male and female. Do not play this down because they will not stop the powers that be in our government, in our education system. As I said, in the way the Bible puts it, these are people of the world and the world loves its own. And the world walks in darkness and it lies in the lap of the wicked one. And you can deny that all you want to, but I see it as clear as day. 
And these are the battles that you're fighting right now. And you, you know deep down in your psyche and in your conscious that what I'm saying to you is true. That's why you can't wait to listen to this program on Mondays when I'm here, because what I am doing is I'm just simply engaging you in deep, profound, conscientious awareness. Things you know, but you really can't talk about because there's a cost in talking about the truth. That's because we're not living in free America anymore. There's punishment if you actually begin to give uh, another viewpoint other than the official narrative of the Gestapo nation. You start talking as if you don't believe what's coming out of Washington or out of the media, and then all of a sudden you are a conspiracy theorist. I'm going to be talking about that today. I certainly do believe in conspiracy, and you should too. The danger of somehow not recognizing that groups of people come together to establish agendas and plans without your permission, the danger of not believing that is sticking in your head in the sand and hoping that 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 thunderous noise of horses will just bypass you without any harm, but uh, nothing could be further from the truth. You will be harmed if you continue to walk in the denial of realities for which signals are everywhere. You are sensing the signals, you are hearing the signals, you know they're there, notwithstanding all of the entertainment of everything that's going on around you. All right, so look, we've been off for the last few weeks, seems like a lifetime. And that's been that's because so much has been going on in my own personal life in terms of the loss of a number of friends to death and and, and the sadness that comes with that. That's part of my job as a as a pastor. But losing a significant number of people and dealing with funerals and memorials and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And so, yeah, it's kind of challenging these days. But I woke up this morning. Uh, committed to making sure that I uh, engage my body in some vigorous exercise. And so I took a long walk, which I just ended about an hour and a half ago. And uh, and boy, that helps to be out in the sunshine, absorbing the D, the vitamin D, and then to be able to think through what I'm going to be sharing with you tonight, what I'm going to be sharing with the people of God tomorrow and then Friday and then Saturday and then Sunday as I expound and teach the word of God. Uh, is the best life a person can have. By the way, your mind is a very precious thing, very, very precious thing, and you don't want it taken over by anyone. Um, Enjoying the fact that we are in the NBA Finals right now, the Suns lead uh, the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks, two to one. Next game is tomorrow, I believe. And then I love Wimbledon tennis, U.S. tennis, uh, Novak Djokovic, Continues to close in on history. I think he's at 20, right along with Federer and Nadal for uh, championships in the world. He just beat Berrettini the other day. Very good game. Very good game. Love that tennis. It's so strategic, so kinetic, so mental, so emotional. And I love the fans who are committed that way. We need to be committed to God in the same exact way. Um, But my hero My hero for this week is Senator Ron Johnson. Remember that name. Uh, He he, he once again is being true to his calling as a statesman, and and his ear is wide open to the real sufferings of people who are being silenced. And that's the job of a statesman, a congressman, a senator. Uh, Their job is to hear the American people 
and then to facilitate the cry and the, the concerns and the burdens and the evidences of what the American people are saying. And John, uh, Senator Ron Johnson has been doing that ever since this whole COVID thing, listening to the sufferings of the people. And no, I'm not talking about the sufferings of those silenced in abortion by the tune of a thousand every day here in America, just among African-American women, and therefore millions every year. Uh, that is a silencing of the lamb for sure. Uh, and their voices are heard. They may not be heard by you and me because we have a tendency to not want to hear the cry of the poor as their brains are sucked out by a machine into eternity by the blind monsters who are called doctors. By the way, ideas have consequences. And I'm not talking about the tens of thousands of young girls and boys who are Jeffrey Epstein every day in our country and in our world by paupers and politicians and princes, the elite, as well as common people around the world. They're, they are crying too, and no one's listening to them but God. They're all silenced at this point, but I'm not referring to them. I'm referring to the hundreds of thousands, not tens of thousands, but the hundreds of thousands of vaccine injured men and women just in America for whom our government has in collusion with big tech and leftist media have been silencing their voices, silencing the real and painful experiences that people are having as side effects to the vaccines in order to continue their one way campaign of vaccine controlled humanity. Now, we always know that vaccines are going to harm people when they take them. I am not what they would call uh, anti-vaxxer. Got a real problem with this present methodology and rollout that you and I are dealing with. And as one very astute uh, uh, intellectual put it, silence sometimes is the loudest sound in the room, particularly when you're trying to cover up something. And so when I come back from the break, I am going to continue talking to you about what I heard and saw. It's kind of like, you know, you hear about the atrocity of abortion. It's one thing to hear about. It's another thing to watch it visibly with your own eyes and see exactly what happens to that eternity bound soul. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's another thing to blow off people who have been injured severely and have died by these vaccines and then begin to spout the narrative. The vaccines are 99 percent safe. They are 99 percent effective, which is completely unscientific. What I do want to call your attention to, particularly if you're responsible people, because I can tell you this is exactly how it happened in Russia, how it happened in Germany, how it happened in Mao's China. First, they came for them, and then they come for you. So you and I can neglect it all we want to. But the reality is, is that they're hurting people out there. And I'm so glad that Senator Ron Johnson, Senator Rand Paul, and several others are basically looking people in the face, looking at the evidence, and realizing, hey, there has been a real leaning against men and women who have been saying for decades in this world that vaccines do have side effects. They are very harmful to people, unfortunately. And we need to really be facing this and not looking at it as if it's just, again, a bunch of people with mad minds who are disconnected from reality. I hope you're not that way. 
I really, really do. Look, when your government tells you to shut up, be quiet, put your mask on, they are not winning the trust of the American people. It's not how you it's not how you gain trust. You gain trust by being discreetly honest and particularly brutally honest in the areas of integrity where it absolutely matters in order for us to be able to trust you. And that's not happening right now. The number is one 329 1-888-367-5329. A whole lot to talk about today on this Monday edition of Lifeline, but ready to hear from you if you've got something that is helpful for us to talk about. Again, one 329 This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan, and we will be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time is 522 on the Monday edition of Lifeline 522. Glad to have you uh, in the house with us as we are opening up our program again, I, I, like I said, we've been out for a couple of weeks, so it's kind of weird. Got a couple lines still open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let me just frame what I'm doing these days um, so that you can understand it. Uh, it would be great if uh, if there were enough balanced voices out there in the world really handling their journalistic duties properly, but journalism is over with today. Um, Long ago, men and women who did journalism in in other countries, uh, they did it to the peril of their own lives. Uh, Today, journalism is like false religion. It's like um, apostate churches. It's entertainment. It's not exposition of truth. It's not the exposure of facts. It's not the laying out of the data so that the people watching and listening can make a determination whether or not they're being exposed to the truth. It's the shaping of narratives and the manipulation of the masses through dramatized, again, uh, multifaceted methods of of sensory uh, uh, suggestion, whether that's visual uh, pictures and whether that's visual images. Uh, we've been doing that for decades in our country, pulling the emotional uh, uh, coattail and, and uh, heartstrings of men and women to get them to stop thinking actively and logically and objectively about, about realities. And today, uh, we are no less any different, particularly around the, the matters that are taking place. Now, to me, there is a big, big battle in our world uh, between, again, mass social media in conjunction with governments, as well as uh, major power brokers that are much wealthier than even our governments. And they're all colluding together for a global agenda that appears to be what I said earlier in my opening monologue, uh, the one way campaign of vaccine controlled humanity. The reason I'm talking about it is because it's not going to go away anytime soon. You're not going to be able to get away with as it as it were hiding under a rock. I mean, President Biden is already talking about representatives going to people's door by door to talk to them about vaccines as if we don't already know. Listen very carefully, ladies and gentlemen, only really about 45 to 50 percent of people have taken the vaccine. The numbers that are being spouted by your major media are not accurate. They cannot know that. They will not know that. 
Um, but they want to get to 70 percent. They probably won't. And the reason why is we still have freedom of speech and we have multiple outlets by which we can have frank and candid conversations. And your best virologists and doctors and epidemiologists and scientists are just having the conversations and they're talking about the good and the bad of what's going on with this gene therapy uh, experimentation. The good and the bad. There are good things that they are hoping and trusting are coming out of this, but they're very clearly aware that even if the vaccine had an, a, a legitimate motive and interest in its initial stages, that now it is fundamentally being weaponized because of the wrong approach by our government in terms of punishing people who don't take it. I mean, the idea that somehow our children now, when they go back to school this year, if they haven't been vaccinated, guess what they have to do? Wear a little sticker that says that they are uh, the non-vaccine. What do we mean by that? They have to wear a mask and they have to social distance. This is so criminal and so discriminatory, as well as unscientific, by the way, as well as unscientific. We won't go down that path because... Uh, You know, I've been talking about that so long. You you just need to know for yourself. Uh, Since day one with the uh, with the vaccines, I uh, I have basically, um, you know, not worn a mask. Uh, I haven't worn a mask. You know, I only wear it if a a, a facility mandates it. I, I, I do not believe that it had any legitimate science behind it. Fauci said no at the start, then later on said yes, and then he started talking about, well, doing it for kind of emotional security for people. You you can't be a scientist and pull people people's coattail and manipulate their emotions that way. This is why he's on the way out, by the way, um, in terms of uh, reputation and exposure, because he has just been flip-flopping all over the map. But now that a good portion of you guys have gotten vaccine, a lot of y'all now are much more comfortable without wearing masks as well. Good. You should have never been doing it in the first place. It has significant uh, harmful effects if you over mask. You've never seen doctors walking around the planet to the stores and all through the hospital with masks on. No, they wear them for a purposeful occasion for a short time and for no other reason. But here we go again, uh, experiencing again Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. And we've talked about that over and over again as well. And I know some of you are getting it, and I'm thankful that you are because we're blowing the trumpet. All the good doctors, all the good lawyers, all the good virologists, all the good epidemiologists, all of the good scientists, all of the good pastors who know what's really going is they're blowing the trumpet and saying, hey, American people, walk in the integrity of your constitutional rights. Stop being shillings. Stop simply marching to the beat and start thinking it through uh, and demonstrate the beauty of individuality. I mean, when you look over there at China and you see all of those soldiers walking in line and just face pointing in one direction, you are utterly impressed by the total uh, unity and conformity of those men and women as they stand there. But what you don't see is the beauty, splendor and the divinity of the individual person. Why? Because they are subsumed up under one major governmental narrative, and that is fundamentally different than we in our free country. Although I can tell you 
the, the statistics are by those who are way brighter than me that uh, American conformity to governmental narratives is reaching levels of over 50%. About 63% of Americans are much more uh, inclined to simply conform to what government says rather than to discriminately determine why they are saying it and to discriminately determine whether they will submit to it or not. That means only about uh, 47%, if you will, of Americans know how to stand on their own two feet, analyze the uh, assertions and propositions and determine for themselves whether or not they want to comply. And, and uh, we, we really probably will have a, a greater conversation around subjugation of Christians to government because that is so twisted in the uh, in the application and uh, expression of many pastors today where we just need to submit to the government, do whatever the government says. Nowhere in your Bible does it ever say, just do what your government says. Nowhere. And here's how you know, just in case you want to call pastors, I'll be glad for you to call and and challenge me on that. If the Bible expressed that kind of non-negotiable, non-qualified submission to any political structure, if the, gov- if the Bible ever asserted that, China would have no problem with Christians. Socialist countries wouldn't have a problem with Christians. Marxist countries wouldn't have a problem with Christians. Totalitarian countries wouldn't have a problem with Christians. It's precisely because they know the word of God calls Christians to be discerning, to be thoughtful, to be prophetic and priestly. And to also, with the proper channels, challenge government's right to exist and challenge government's right of policy implication. You read Romans 13 carefully. It's the government that is designed to bear the sword in righteousness. The government that punishes crime and rewards good, that's a government to submit to. A government that punishes good and rewards crime. Well, the way the early church put it, and this is Peter speaking, whether it seems right to you that we would obey you, our God, you work that out. As far as we're concerned, we're going to obey God. And so throughout church history, there has been a clashing of the titans between a biblical worldview by the servants of the living God trying to submit to governments until governments become tyrannical and little despotic uh, ideologues and Lilliputians, that is little gods themselves, demigods, trying to exercise authority over the conscience of human beings uh, to the demise of the welfare of our culture sociologically, emotionally, psychologically, and indefinitely spiritually. And this is the battle that you and I are dealing with today. And this is why so many people are sick. Because they don't see the lines of demarcation between their freedom in God and their freedom in Christ and their freedom in their Mago day and the right to challenge our government to be better than it is. They don't get to just tell us what to do. They just don't. But freedom without virtue is a curse. You guys know I've been telling, telling us this here on this program for the last 12 or 15 years. You may be free, but if you don't have virtue, you're still under a curse. Why? Because you don't have the ability to discern right from wrong. You don't have the integrity of being able to say no to evil. 
Here's what the proverb says. Got to take a break. Listen to it. The proverb says when the wicked rule, the people mourn. But when the righteous are in rule, the people rejoice. We're not going to be real quick to define who's righteous and who's wicked right now. Just know that the Bible lays out good men and good women who govern well, who govern in the fear of God, become a blessing to society. Men and women who do not fear God, who do not govern according to the light of truth, are oppressors, says the Proverbs, says Ecclesiastes, and says the prophets. And this is where we're going right now in our present culture, a path of oppression. Why? Because we cannot have the freedom to dialogue, debate, and challenge the propositions that are coming out of Washington, out of the media, and out of your local government as well. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Got to pay some bills. The lines are all full. We want to try to run them out so you can get on on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time is 539 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We're going to start going to the phone lines. We're going to go with uh, Rochelle in Fairfield on line number two. Rochelle in Fairfield. I hope I got that name right. Rochelle, or is it Raquel? Hello. Um, this is actually Dan here. But uh, my Dan question is, in Sonoma. Um, yes. My question is, um, over the last two weeks, I had the opportunity to listen to your Tuesday and Friday night Bible studies, and you recommended some personality tests. So I went to 16personalities.com and personalityperfect.com, profiled myself, and I've read most of what they gave me for free to read. But what I found interesting is I came up with high scores on Turbulent and uh, Defender. And what I would like to ask you, those they say are praiseworthy employee types, um, but I want to be able to stand on things that are truly important and don't fight and die for non-essential issues, you know, on wrong hill. So um, what I wanted to ask you is what this personality typing is going to tell me now that I've done that with your... Uh, I've actually also listened to the Tuesday and Friday night Bible studies for this week as well. So, uh, right. And I've heard what you had to say, but let's sort of digest it and, and bring it to where it might be useful to everybody. Absolutely. So thank you for doing that, Dan, because what I did... Uh, as we were unpacking what is called the Solomon Paradox. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you want to uh, take transformation seriously, I would recommend you listen to my Bible studies. I teach them every Tuesday and every Friday. And then again, sometimes on Saturdays and definitely on Sundays. But during the week, I'm teaching on the nature of love versus desire and the distinction between the two and the correlation between the two. And I'm demonstrating the... Uh, <clears throat> The necessity of understanding that when we're talking about loving someone, we're talking about knowing them. And that would be vice versa. So if you're in a relationship with someone and this would be actually it can be all levels of relationship. It doesn't even have to be uh, erotic or, or, or profoundly what we would, 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 would call, you know, the deep, deep love of two people who want to get married. This could be a platonic relationship as well. Knowing yourself is the uh, is the statement Socrates made. He didn't he didn't originate the idea. Know thyself is the idea of being aware of who you are in terms of your identity, in terms of your characteristics, in terms of your 
propensities and bent in terms of your gifts and strengths. And I'm glad you did it, Dad. And I'm sure you're trying to <clears throat> develop a correlation between the studies that we did, because what we learned with Solomon, who, who married 700 wives and 300 concubines, we learned from Solomon that he tried to love them, but he could not love them because he could not know them. And, and, and in that he could not know them, as he ultimately uh, confessed in the book of Ecclesiastes, it meant that he really didn't know himself, that he was engaging in a vacuous exercise of vanity as he affirmed, uh, I gave my heart to know folly and wisdom, and I discovered the vanity of it, uh, was that many men and women are in the paradox of Solomon where they think desire is love and that, you know, that if they simply uh, engage in the pursuit of a loving relationship, then that'll solve its own problem. But in reality, what love is about is discovery. It's about exposure. It's a manifestation. It's a process by which we come to uh, to understand that person and then also to understand ourselves in light of that person. But along the lines of the development of that series, what Dan heard me say to my own uh, uh, to my own students was, uh, if you are really concerned about knowing yourself, because you really do want to know yourself, you don't want to be self-deceived. And the vast majority of me human beings are. And you and I would deceive ourselves by nature because we're sinners and we would paint ourselves better than we are. Um, and on some occasions, if we have been traumatized or injured in our youth, we will actually self-sabotage in terms of reflection upon ourselves and, and seeing darker things about ourselves than a balanced view of the overall composite of who we really are. And that becomes a problem. This is why people everywhere are in therapy today. And so I suggested to people to go online and do what would be considered a personality assessment test. And you can do them for free and you can pay for them and some are good and some are bad. But here's what you get to do when you sit in front of a list of questions that asks you things about yourself, what you get to do is see if you are really honest with yourself. And here becomes the big problem with people who don't do well in life. Uh, they're not honest. And, and if you're not honest with yourself, you can't possibly love somebody. Because to love somebody is to be able to be authentic and to be honest with them as you would want them to be honest with you. And this is why so many relationships are filled with so much turbulence is because one of the one of the most difficult things to do is to be honest about who you are. When you do these personality assessment tests, you get to walk away with some idea. If you're if you're rigorously honest with the te test, they will tell you they will extract from the hundred questions or however many they are. And they will tell you this is the kind of personality you are. These are the strengths you have. These are the weaknesses you have. And if you've never done that kind of self analysis test. You really do want to because it just actually helps you get better at learning how to honestly self-reflect and not begin to build false avatars or projections about yourself, which in the Bible is simply called hypocrisy. It means to put on a mask, to put on a mask. And when you and I are living with putting on masks, we are living with not being willing to know ourselves well enough to actually be available to love people. So the context in which I was teaching this was to demonstrate why it is so hard for people to love each other. 
because it's hard to know each other. Now, when God created Adam and Eve in the beginning, the text tells us, and Adam and his wife were naked and not ashamed. For the twain became one flesh and they were naked and not ashamed. That was before the fall. After the fall, we are sinful human beings and we are inclined to lying to each other, lying about ourselves, lying about other people. And this creates all kind of massive, massive problems in the relationship, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It creates all kind of devastation because we don't know how to love. To to be loving people requires the bravery of honesty and consistent honesty about ourselves and others, not harmful honesty, not overly critical honesty, not the kind of honesty that brings pain, but the honesty that's laid out in 1 Corinthians 13, love thinks no evil, it does no evil, it doesn't vaunt itself, it doesn't boast in itself, it doesn't uh, it doesn't hold grudges, it doesn't bring pain to men and women. There are a number of passages in the scripture that gives us a framework on what love is characteristically, which we should be all aspiring to because we want relationships. And what you did, Dan, was really, really good, my brother. Continue the process because as you are entering into a relationship with the one true and living God through his son, Jesus, I'm still unpacking this. I'll unpack it tomorrow night, Tuesday night, 630, Grace Bible Church. And then again on Friday, here's what's going on. You're learning to know God And God is actually exposing you to you because you can't know you accurately without God. And this is the truth. And it's called love. Now, I got to take another hard break. I'll come back on the other side, maybe talk a bit more about it. But, Dan, if you keep listening to the studies, um, the two will make a significant connection. We're going to take a break, pay some bills and we'll be right back after this short break. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time is 5.55 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I want to just make one more observation before we go to uh, Raquel and Fairfield about Dan's uh, uh, initiation to actually grow in, in, in self-knowledge uh, in, his, in his walk with God. Uh, and, and definitely, Dan, I appreciate you trying to find a correlation between your strengths and, and its application on a gospel level. Obviously, If I come to discover that I am uh, given to uh, being management oriented uh, in my skill set because my my uh, temperament allows me to be concerned about the things that I see and am aware of and then the implementation of my my gifts in relationship to my temperament is about management for the purposes of quelling and stopping outbreaks. Those are management skills. That's a fundamental gift of, of being able to uh, quell fires. It requires knowing uh, knowing uh, the levels of anxiety that you might have uh, uh, so that if they impact you emotionally, that you don't act in extreme, that you don't move out in impulses that are irrational or uh, inappropriate for the context of the situation you're dealing with. And of course, these are extremely important when it comes to relationships, because if you are dealing with uh, past traumas or wounds, and you get triggered by things that you don't discern in relationship to an event or an expression, and it moves you emotionally in a certain direction, and that emotion then traps you in terms of how you respond or act, 
well, there's some problems there. And that means you got to go to work on uh, getting a handle on uh, how you are impacted by uh, memory or relationship or experiences. And that's knowing yourself because we want to be the best version of what we possibly can as a child of God in this world. And it really amounts to being led by the spirit versus led by the flesh in terms of the outcome of our submission to Christ and application of our lives in a world context. So uh, may the Lord strengthen you in that. I'll be unpacking this again tomorrow as we continue to develop the imperative given to us in Jeremiah chapter uh, 9, 23. Let him that glory glories in this, that he understands and knows me. Remember the Greek term for knowing in the New Testament is epigenosis, and it is an experiential love that's rooted in a covenant uh, a framework of deeper intimacy, mano imano, and the Hebrew term is yada, from which we know God in the fullest expression of who he is as he's revealed to us, and then we respond in likewise. It's called confessing what you know, saying the same thing. So when we worship God, worship is an expression that we know him and see him in the beauty and splendor of his glory, and we adequately respond to that revelation of him to the world so that the world might come to know this God and worship him because of his being worthy to be worshiped. But where we don't know God, we won't worship God. So you have a whole world of people who don't worship God because they don't know him. And that as a consequence, they don't know themselves because the Bible says in his light, we shall see light. And where we are not walking in the light of God's truth, of God's word, of God's reality, of his presence, we can't even see the darkness that's in our own soul. So we'll unpack that more fully uh, tomorrow. I'll just leave you with one word. This is why we love David, because David was such an honest man in his love for God, notwithstanding the mistakes that he made. He made it he made it clear in Psalm 139 what it means to know God in an intimate relationship. Oh, Lord, you have searched me. Now, this is what we're going to pick up tomorrow. And you have what? Known me. This is what the believer can say about God. You know my downsitting. You know my uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a description of knowing someone, i.e. loving someone. You can pass my back path about my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways. Don't let me continue unpacking that because this is what it's mean to know somebody. And at the end of the day, it's true. Either you know God or you don't. And either God knows you in the intimacy of a saving knowledge of Christ or he doesn't, as he will say on the last day, I never knew you. And so this matter of uh, love being knowledge and love being giving is extremely important because God has called you and I to represent him in this world as people who know him and people who are givers. So let's keep working on it. Let me go to line two and talk with Raquel in Fairfield. Raquel, if that's your name, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? I can. Is that is that the right pronunciation, Raquel or Rochelle? It's Rochelle. Okay, Rochelle, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I um, am very excited to hear you go into depth regarding this gene editing uh, therapy that is being 
deceptively marketed as a vaccine, which we know it is not. And I want to say that for the pastor, um, I'm excited to hear you call it out because pastors, I was on a uh, panel call about three, two or three months ago, and there were some pastors from very large congregations in the Bay Area. Some of them were bishops. I won't mention their names, but they were all pushing the gene therapy, editing therapy shot for their congregants, and they didn't inform them. There was not one person on the panel who spoke to it being emergency use. No one spoke to the fact that this is an experimental trial, and under the Nuremberg laws, people cannot be forced to participate, but they must give consent. Not one time did anyone mention the potential for injury or death. No one mentioned that unless you have comorbidities, you will recover from it. You will get sick, but you will. it's 99% recoverable. And not one time did anybody mention that these pharmaceutical companies are immune from prosecution. And I was like, they didn't want to talk about that. And then some churches went on to become vaccination facilities. And I don't like using vaccination because that's a deceptive marketing term. But I'm very glad and encouraged to hear you standing boldly and speaking about the issues of the day. Thank you for mentioning Romans 13, 3 and 4 are so primary, and unfortunately, people are being led like lambs to the slaughter because they don't read or understand the reason for government. Government shall be up on his shoulders. God is the author of government. So I want to say thank you very much. The thing that I wanted to point out is that we are currently, the narrative that's being pushed, and you spoke to this earlier, it's... We are in a war of words, and when we buy into using the terminology that is framing the narrative, we continue to perpetuate a particular viewpoint, a picture, because the media, whenever they want to censor the the conservative or just a common sense view, they use particular language, and it creates a picture in the mind of the hearer. And those who hear this over and over, even though those of us who know it's propaganda, they become seduced. Even believers become bewitched by this narrative and these words that are put in such a way as to bring them under the spell of seduction. But we as believers need to reframe and use the words from a biblical worldview and stop buying into the narrative because this is a war of words and words control the culture. And that's why we're seeing this big shift in the culture because of the language. Right. This has been going on for a long time, way before um, COVID, uh, Rochelle, I'm probably not telling you anything new, but I've been dealing with it from day one. Anybody that has been listening to me know that have multiple, multiple messages, multiple uh, Bible studies, multiple lectures around uh, the correlation between critical race theory, this whole Marxist socialist uh, yep. postmodern uh, refabrication of history uh, as it has been conflated into this uh, this um, gene therapy uh, agenda, what I call the one way into uh, a, a total human vaccination 
agenda. This is something that is not new and is easily explored. Uh, To your point, however, in relationship to the uh, disobedience of Christians, and this this is what it is, and and again, we've talked about it at length on this show. You must be new to our show, because I talk about this stuff all the time, and I do know the parties that you're referring to, too, as well, the pastors, and I remember that um, I remember that event. I didn't have an opportunity to be there or listen to it. But what's sadly, the vast majority of, of pastors, the vast majority of pastors in the Bay Area and across the nation are complicit with government in a naive way of sinful disobedience. And, uh, yeah. and I'll be talking about this uh, in the near future, too, how to properly understand scripture in relationship to obedience and disobedience to government. Because if we have a wrong understanding of compliance or disobedience, we will never be the salt and light that the church has been called to be in the world. And again, this is not new with most of my listeners. They hear me talk about this all the time. But I am very clear, Rochelle, that the men that were advocating this they were your typical, uh, uh, largely African-American uh, uh, pastors because the secular system, our, our government has been able to uh, manipulate African-Americans for decades, particularly in a conflation of politics and religion. And, and thinking things through has gone out the window for so many years. And sadly, sadly, like you stated, these men were not either willing to talk about it, and if they if they knew and were not willing, they are guilty of compliance in harming men and women, as you had asserted, yeah. as the Nuremberg Laws uh, clearly mandate. They must be completely informed and, and completely voluntary in their consent of the vaccine. And the moment that you don't inform them fully, you are in uh, violation of the Nuremberg Laws, and, and of course, across the nation, as you know, multiple lawyers and multiple groups and multiple doctors and multiple uh, virologists and scientists and epidemiologists are affirming this particular travesty of justice that's taking place. On a higher level, you are also correct that we're dealing with a spiritual war. And this is where it can be somewhat disheartening, with the exception of the fact that many are called and few are chosen and that we're called to engage the battle, notwithstanding how many are with us. Woe unto you that follow a multitude to do evil. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't get to, uh, I don't get to find comfort in in numbers or the majority on 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 my side. This has never been the case when it comes to the gospel, sound preaching and teaching, and particularly the matters that are at hand. But what's so sad about what we're dealing with today is that, as you had stated. Uh, he who got he who controls the narrative controls the mind. And this here is a Marxist tactic as well. And it certainly has worked uh, around the world marvelously in deceiving men and women to buy into definitions of terms that don't correspond with reality. But that, too, is the consequence of sin, because the believer has been obligated imperatively by the word of God to never just buy anything hook, line and sinker. The Bible is clear in Proverbs. The simple believe every word 
but the prudent looks well to his going. This is Proverbs 4, verse 18. And the proverb also says very clearly that you and I are to prove all things and to hold fast to that which is good. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. We are to try the spirits, whether they be of God or not, because there are many erroneous, faulty, uh, manipulative, deceptive spirits, and these spirits are doctrines and teachings that are going out into the world. So a a non-discerning Christian is a useless Christian in in the eyes of God and in the eyes of Christ. We are to be wise as serpents, gentle as doves, but prudent in knowing what the real matters are so that we can occupy the office of prophet and priest appropriately. If the people of God do not know how to proclaim truth, their prophetic role is muffled. If the people of God do not see the pain and injury and suffering of the poor, their priestly role is muffled. We already know just based upon the VAERS report that we're dealing with over 500,000 reported injuries, 10,000 deaths, and levels of injury um, across the spectrum of respiratory problems, blood clots, and on and on and on. I could use all the technical terms, but I want and, and it's so voluminous, it's so clearly out there that if the media were to give significant attention to the injuries that are marked on the CDC website, and, uh, and we know that it's only 1% up to 10% right. of the actual um, uh, information that's out there, um, we would have a different conversation going on right now. But what's taking place is a silencing of anyone who does not follow the official narrative. And this is the battle that we're waging today. And it's a real uh, severe battle because unfortunately, this is a battle of faith. It's not just merely a battle of words and politics and your view versus my view. This is a battle of faith. And the church has been in this battle since the first century. The Roman Empire told men and women, if you don't bow down, and pinch the incense to Caesar and call him curios, uh, then you will be punished. You'll lose your job. You'll be exiled, removed from guilds, and banded from society. We are facing the same thing today, and men and women are not willing to admit that this is what's taking place. This is happening in our schools. It's happening with our children. It's happening on our jobs. This is why the last couple of weeks I've been sharing with people the employer-employee form that has been masterfully written up to help employees be able to confront their employers with the data and information that their employers must know before they try to compel their employees to take the vaccine. Because as you stated, Rochelle, um, the big farmer is protected from lawsuits, but also companies are because we are in a U- EUA mode of this experiment. It is not yet officially called vaccine because when once that occurs, then you can sue. Yep. So Anyhow, this, thank this, you for the call, my dear sister. Call anytime. God bless you. Let me go to line number four and talk with Idris in Hayward. Idris, are you there? 